Brandon Adams. This is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented by Kroger. We've been doing our first and 15 there at dognation.com and on the Dog Nation app. Now we'll welcome you in on all of our video platforms right now for a little bit different kind of show for us today. We are on assignment here as a part of our SEC championship coverage. We've got some stuff we're going to be doing uh, today from a video standpoint. They'll be showing you tomorrow throughout the day. So that causes us to need to be in downtown Atlanta. So if you're watching us right now, obviously you see Mercedes-Benz Stadium here in the background where we're getting ready for a really fun day tomorrow obviously our go for two and 22 tailgate that is going to be a blast there is just so much fun stuff on the horizon and so we certainly appreciate you being a part of that and even though we're kind of away from our studio today a lot of the same stuff that we do each and every day on dog nation daily we're going to provide for you here today there as well we'll catch up with jeff centel coming up in a couple of minutes we'll talk some uj recruiting with him this is obviously a big weekend for georgia apart from what's happening in the sec championship when you start thinking about uh the 2023 recruiting class there as well and one of the pivotal decisions in that class. The five-star edge rusher Samuel Mpemba is getting ready to make his decision on Sunday. So we'll get a bit of a preview of that with Jeff. And there is something else I want to talk about with Jeff for a minute, too, that I think you need to be aware of as well that's going to be really a big part of the next couple of weeks, almost running concurrent to what we believe is going to be a trip for Georgia to the college football playoff. Running concurrent to that is also going to be, I would say, probably a wilder transfer portal season than we've probably ever experienced before. And obviously, a lot of us have kind of gotten used to sort of wild transfer portal rumors and in some cases actual news when it comes to players leaving one place, going to another place. And yet with all of that, I don't think we've had anything like what we're about to have. The transfer portal opens up next week just on the other side of these conference championship games and the playoff selections and the bowl selections. And after that, it's going to be Wild West. And some of this will be rumor and some of this will be kind of kept quiet. And some of this will be kind of right out there in the open. But pretty clearly, there's going to be a lot of transfer movement coming up. Uh, over the course of the next week and the next couple of weeks after that. And so when you think about the role of recruiting and the uh, upcoming early signing period, what's going to happen with some of that is going to be just as important, really, for most teams in terms of how they populate their rosters, the actual signing day itself. So we'll get some thoughts from Jeff on that, also how that's impacting recruiting there, too. We'll do a lot of that with Jeff Centel here coming up. But before any of that, though, obviously we're standing outside of Mercedes-Benz Stadium and want to get ready to talk about what is really going to be a huge day for Georgia on Saturday, an opportunity to do something that Georgia has not done in quite a while. You by now know this. Georgia has not won the SEC championship since 2017. In fact, their last three trips to this building for this game have not gone particularly well. And one of the things you sort of get the sense of here this week is that stands as a really big source of motivation for UGA. At one point in time a few weeks ago, Kirby kind of talked openly about that. I would say over the course of the last couple of weeks when asked about it, he's kind of downplayed that. Oftentimes that's been his strategy. He doesn't want to make too much of any given moment, and you understand why he would feel that way. But yet, given the totality of the words that he's used throughout the year, you're left to believe that this is a pretty important game for Georgia on Saturday and other Georgia players this week, especially guys like Christopher Smith, who've played in some of those SEC championship games that haven't gone particularly well before. Uh, they're openly admitting that they are clearly motivated to do that. And I think when you think about the things that matter for the game on Saturday. Ultimately, I think it comes down to really two issues. In a game like this, where Georgia on paper appears to be so much better than LSU, you don't have an opportunity to really overthink this very much. There aren't 19 things they're going to decide this game on Saturday. There aren't a whole bunch of like very intricate X's and O's type topics that are going to determine how the SEC championship goes. This kind of comes down to a couple of small things. And on the Georgia side of this, it kind of comes down to something in a roundabout way we have spent the entire week discussing, and that is what is Georgia's level of motivation for this. We just told you, this team seems right now to be pretty motivated about the idea of winning an SEC 
championship, something they did not do in a national championship year a season ago, and something they have not done since this team beat Auburn 28-7 back in 2017 in a game that we called Dog Nation Retaliation because it was Georgia getting revenge for the uh, win that Auburn got against them in November that year at Jordan-Hare Stadium. However, I would invite you to do this, and if you missed this, I hope you'll go back and check it out. We had... Brad Nessler from CBS Sports on the show yesterday. And Brad obviously has lived in the Atlanta area for a long time. He's called these games on CBS now for quite some time. And Brad knows the story with Georgia, and he knows the story with the SEC championship as well. And if you missed this from yesterday, it was one of our later interviews on yesterday's show. If you missed this, I do hope you'll go back and check it out. Because in the discussion with Brad Nessler, and talking about this particular topic there as well, he kind of took this to a different place than just, hey, Georgia wants to win the national, I should say the SEC championship because he didn't do that last season. He also kind of took this to the place of, and that is a step towards being 15-0. and And obviously we know that the CBS broadcasters, all the broadcasters who do these games on television, they get to talk to the Georgia coach. They get to talk you know, to Georgia players in a way that the average media person doesn't really get a chance to. So how much was what Brad said on our show yesterday influenced by conversations he's already had, insight that he's already gained from being a little closer to the inside of the Georgia program than we get to be? We don't really know that, but it was an interesting way to frame all of this. This isn't just a Georgia team saying, hey, as the players have talked about, putting that number on the wall, checking that box, as Kirby Smart said. This is also about having the status of being a 15-0 and team, something that Georgia wasn't a year ago, and frankly, something in the playoff era not that many teams at all have been able to do. It's just the two, right? It's Clemson in 2018, LSU in 2019. Am I right about that in terms of 15-0 and teams here in this college football playoff era? We haven't had too much of that. But this Georgia team has a chance now to be that. And while none of the players are going to talk about this, and they may not even be thinking it, they might not even be knowing it, there is certainly something that you and I would be able to say is, which is if Georgia beats LSU on Saturday, that'll be this team's fifth-ranked win thus far this season, with two more opportunities to come to the college football playoff. If it's a 15-0 team that included five wins against teams in the college football playoff top 25, including two more playoff wins after that, then I think you have to start making room for Georgia on the list of historic teams. Uh, a back-to-back national championship, a 15-0 season, if Georgia were able to accomplish those incredible goals, achieve those incredible objectives, how could you not include Georgia in a conversation like that? Now, admittedly, that's getting the cart way before the horse. There's plenty more work to be done. But when you think about what motivates a team like Georgia, you have to wonder, for the coaches who know the history, for the players who maybe be introduced to some of this, you have to wonder, indeed, how much that's on Georgia's mind. Now, yesterday, there was a joint press conference that featured both Brian Kelly and Kirby Smart at different times, but they both spoke to the media yesterday. And Kirby Smart talked about the mindset for Georgia, its final preparations here for LSU, what's on the mind of these dogs. This is what Kirby said about all that. Take a look. Um, that preparation is the key to any game and that this is uh, no different than our other SEC games we've had in terms of the differences we're playing at a neutral site. You know, it's, a, it's an opportunity to go out there and play in a um, nobody else is going to be playing in our conference but us. So all your peers get to watch this game. It's one of the most watched games of any football season. Um, and uh, we've talked long and hard about you know being at our best when our best is needed. Those critical situations in games that decide games, uh, they'll, they'll decide this game no different, whether that's turnovers, explosives, red area, or third downs. Interesting right there that I, I think – I think it's important to keep in mind that there are some people, and we said this yesterday, that 
I think the media has gotten it so wrong in terms of how it's covered this SEC championship or how it's covered the race for the college football playoff that somehow there's almost more interest being paid to who's not here right now. And listen, we don't know how the playoff's going to be you know, set. We obviously have a Pac-12 title game that's coming up tonight. We don't quite know how the uh, playoff's going to be set. There's a chance that Ohio State still makes the playoff. We talked about that some yesterday. I guess there's some sort of faint chance that Alabama still makes it, although I don't believe that's very realistic at all. But there seems to be this obsession with certain corners of the, of the media about, you know, what does Ohio State have to do to make the playoff? Or down here locally when it comes to the SEC championship of the luster being off this game because Alabama isn't here. And I think that Kirby Smart right there actually kind of gives you a little bit different twist on that, a little bit different spin on that, and I think it's one that's worth considering. That it's not just that uh, – it's not a situation where, oh, the SEC championship means less right now because somehow Alabama isn't here. Frankly, there have been a few times lately where Alabama hasn't made it to the SEC championship. They have a little bit of a nasty habit over the course of the last handful of years of not winning the SEC West. This is just the latest example of that that but as Kirby says hey what makes this game cool is from his perspective we're playing and no one else is everybody else is watching us on TV the other coaches are being invited to come sit here and be an analyst on the desk because we've seen guys like Dan Mullen and Gus Malzahn and other you know guys that kind of lost out on their chance to be here uh that they're having to sit here and watch us play the uh, the landscape of teams who are playing on Saturday isn't very long the list of teams who are playing that isn't very long the Georgia right now is one of those and this is one of the biggest games of them all in any year, in any situation, and that kind of adding to, to Georgia's focus and its intensity for this game on Saturday, yeah, uh, there's a really big part of that. So when you think about the issues that matter for this game, it is Georgia's level of motivation because when Georgia has been truly locked in and focused, they have obliterated opponents this year. That was true at the beginning of the season against Oregon. That was true to begin the month of November against Tennessee, and at times when maybe Georgia's focus or <laughs> interest seemed to have uh, diminished somewhat, we also know that we didn't get the best of those Georgia performances. So you look at the LSU game on Saturday and you're kind of let to wonder, well, does this count as a big game for Georgia, knowing that it's going to be in the college ball playoff kind of no matter what? Based on what Georgia players have said this week, you sort of get the impression that it probably does. If you want to get into the overall point spread, though, of being more than a 17-point favorite, you can do with that what you will. But I will give you this to consider. If you go to some of these sports books and things like that that have all the different you know point spreads and the lines available, you can look at Georgia right now as a first-half favorite and there's somewhere in that neighborhood of about nine and a half, depending on where you're looking and depending on when you look on something like this. If you're watching the game, obviously many of you don't care anything about all about gambling. But let me just give you kind of one thing to think about, one thing to watch for. See if Georgia can go into halftime as a, with a double-digit lead. That might be one of those things that indicate just how strong Georgia is, just how locked in it is. And frankly, for an LSU team that's already a good bit behind Georgia from a talent perspective and kind of just from a the ability, you know, what the ability the LSU shown this season is just far behind Georgia. Given that, I think it might be one of those things where if you can see Georgia get a ten-point lead, have some sort of double-digit lead going into halftime, that that might be all you need to know about how the rest of this game is going to go and how locked in Georgia is right now. That's the number that maybe matters. Can Georgia build that ten-point lead going into halftime or a double-digit lead going into halftime? That might be the strong indication of just how locked in, just how focused, just how motivated this Georgia team really is. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented by Kroger. We like to deliver the show the same way each and every day as much as we possibly can. There are moments, though, in which we're required to kind of be away. We are on assignment today, kind of getting ready to do such, which is kind of a fancy broadcast media way of saying we got some stuff we have to do today so that requires us to be downtown atlanta we're shooting some video that we're going to be showing you tomorrow throughout the day and so 
that gives me a chance to be outside the stadium for the game today, which obviously for the show today, which obviously makes our broadcast a little bit different than it normally is. So we certainly appreciate your cooperation and your patience with us as we're doing things just a little bit differently today than we normally do. But so much of what we still do is the exact same as it always is, including giving a shout out to our friends at Kroger. And listen, this time of year, we're not just enjoying football. We're also enjoying all of the great Christmas and holiday things that are going on right now. And that means getting close with family and doing stuff with your kids and having a great time with that. And Kroger Chef Jr. is a great way for you to take uh, advantage of that opportunity. They have two great opportunities coming up this month to have a guided kids cooking experience where you actually get your kids involved in making the food item. This particular month, as you might guess, it's holiday-themed, holiday brownies this month with our friends at Kroger. So if you go to the website, KrogerChefJr.com, that's the word junior spelled out, J-U-N-I-O-R, KrogerChefJr.com. There's a couple of different dates this month for you to be a part of, including one this weekend there as well. And you can find out about all the other extra things that you get a part of this as well. Just $7 per child. And not only do they make the food item, they get all kinds of really cool stuff too, like a chef's hat and an apron and you know some of the, the, the paraphernalia that's used to make the food item. So go to the website, KrogerChefJr.com to learn more about that. That's KrogerChefJr.com, and you can learn a lot more on that. All right, so we're going to try to catch up with Jeff Sintel here in a minute. I guess we're having an issue with the uh, with our uh, Zoom right now, so we'll try to work on that and see if we can get that taken care of, and we'll talk to Jeff here coming up in just a little bit. Before that, though, I do want to go around the doghouse, and around the doghouse today is presented by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. That's Berkshire Hathaway uh, Home Services bringing around the doghouse to us here today, and we're talking right now about those, those two – areas I think they're going to determine how the SEC championship is going to be decided. Uh, we talked earlier about, hey, this kind of comes down to, with Georgia clearly on paper being the best team in this game, uh, it's simply about their level of focus. It's simply about their level of motivation. When Georgia has been focused and when Georgia has been motivated, they have clearly been dominant this year. And with seemingly a college ball playoff berth sewn up, do you get that version of Georgia here in this game? Well, I think there's evidence to suggest that you do. We heard from Kirby Smart kind of on the preparation that Georgia's been a part of here this week and why this game matters to UGA. So that's one of those issues. And on the other side for LSU, once again, I think it's similarly pretty simple here that for LSU, this sort of seems to begin and end with Jaden Daniels at quarterback. And if Daniels is healthy, then he might be the kind of player, because he is so dynamic with his legs, does enough through the air, but because he's so dynamic with his legs, that he might be able to at least keep LSU in this game, at least give them a chance to feel like they're within shouting distance in the fourth quarter. And if he's not healthy, then maybe you don't have that hope at all if you're an LSU fan. Obviously, you know the story here. Daniels left the Texas A&M game with an ankle injury. Brian Kelly has said this week that it's not the high ankle sprain. That's the thing that you sort of fear it being. That's obviously a little bit about what uh, A.D. Mitchell's kind of also been dealing with. It's kept him out for a huge portion of the season. Uh, for, for Brian Kelly on the LSU side, they are saying that that's not what this is right now. However, there have been multiple instances this week, including on Monday and Tuesday, where Daniels was spotted in a walking boot. And unless this is just some sort of prop, some sort of costume, some sort of prank, that is not a good sign for Daniels and his ability to be not just on the field on Saturday, but as effective of a player as he possibly can be. Well, in the same press conference that we heard from Kirby Smart a moment ago, or at least the same series of press conference that we heard from Kirby Smart a moment ago, uh, 
uh, you heard from LSU coach Brian Kelly yesterday there as well. And the first question out of the box for Kelly, as you might imagine, related to the health status of his quarterback, Jaden Daniels. Now, Kelly tried to joke it off and tried to play it off and make light of the whole thing. But eventually, he revealed some information that, if it's true, could have an impact on this game on Saturday. Here is an exchange that Kelly had with a reporter yesterday about the health status of his quarterback, Jaden Daniels. Take a look at this. Hey, Brian. Just wanted to check on Jaden Daniels. Will he play Saturday? Well, I think the bigger question is, will you be able to, uh, to make it? I heard you're a little bit under the weather. You're going to be okay? Uh, yes, it looks like I'll be all right. Thank you for asking. Okay, good. Uh, well, he's going to be good, too. Um, he's had a good week of practice, and uh, he'll play for us on Saturday. So that is Brian Kelly there saying that Daniels has had a good week of practice, as you heard him say, uh, and that uh, Daniels will be playing in this game on Saturday. And yet I think you also understand, well, that doesn't quite tell me necessarily everything that I need to know. What does that mean for how effective he can be? You know, practice is closed. No one sees that. Visually, people spotted Daniels wearing the walking boot. No one saw what he did at practice. But Brian Kelly says he has had uh, a good week of practice. But we would assume, you know, the old adage that I use, you've probably heard me say this before, that if you think a player is healthy, there's a chance he might be hurt. But if you think a player is hurt, he almost certainly probably is. And so given the fact that Daniels did leave the A&M game with injury, given the fact that he has been seen in a walking boot, given the fact there's been so much chatter about his health status throughout this week, the odds are he's probably dealing with some form of injury in some fashion. And given how much his mobility is a part of his weaponry as a quarterback, I think you're left to assume that even if he does play on Saturday, he is going to be something less than 100%. And that's not my intention to tell you that means that Georgia's got nothing to worry about and this game's in the bag. But in just the simplest form of evaluation you can provide on this football game here right now, I don't see how LSU keeps it close if Daniels isn't something close to 100% or even 80% or even something like that 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 so much with this LSU offense has been this year has been about him. He has been this team's leading rusher. John Emory Jr. came on a little bit last week, but you know, they have not done it big on the ground with the exception of Jaden Daniels. And if, if he's not able to provide anything close to that, then you almost wonder, does LSU have any chance of keeping this game close whatsoever? The other thing I'll mention about them offensively, though, a little bit is, is that, to me, when you look at the LSU wide receivers, you still see a wide receiver group that at least visually, kind of looks like what you've come to expect from LSU wideouts. I know Keishon Butte was the guy prior to the start of the season that we talked about a lot. And if you remember going back to that first game of the year on that Sunday night of Labor Day weekend against Florida State, not only was that a really ugly, bad performance for LSU, a loss to Florida State, Seminoles turned out to be a pretty good team, but it was still an ugly night for, for, for LSU that night. It was also a moment in which Butte really appeared to be completely disinterested and you're kind of wondering uh, is this guy going to be long for this team is he going to stick around and be a part of this in the brian kelly era well you go back and look the last few games you've seen Butte come on a lot more he's provided more than he's providing earlier in the year a bigger factor in the tennessee game that was a loss for LSU, but he was a bigger factor in that game certainly a pretty big factor in the florida game had a handful of catches in the alabama game there too so so Butte has come on and become a little bit more of a factor here over the course of the last few weeks and so 
you're left to say, well, if Daniels isn't healthy enough to run the way that he always does, he's obviously nowhere nearly as accomplished as a passer as he is as a runner. But could he, or maybe it's Garrett Nussmeyer who comes in in a backup situation, could they find a way to distribute the ball to Butte? And Butte, he wears that number seven, which for LSU is kind of a, I guess, an important number. It's a sort of a symbolic number for the guy that's supposed to be the spiritual, the emotional leader for the team. You know, does Butte have a chance to do that if Daniels isn't able to provide LSU as much uh, as he'd like to be able to provide? But that's kind of it for LSU. If it if, if it's not Daniels, you're left to wonder who it might be. Butte's obviously got the talent to do that, but someone's got to give him the football, and he's got to be locked in uh, if he wants to be able to give that for LSU. And I think justifiably, a lot of folks who are not Georgia fans or LSU fans, a lot of folks who are just observers, I think justifiably, a lot of objective-minded folks are saying, I'm not quite so sure LSU is able to do that. So that's Around the Doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. And, and, and at Berkshire Hathaway Home Service, they believe the best time for new beginnings is right now. What that means is so many of the hopes and dreams you have in your life involve something to do with real estate. You have a house you need to sell to move closer to a dream job or a house you need to sell to get closer to family that you want to enjoy and spend time with or you're just kind of ready for a fresh start, whatever it might be. Selling that old house, moving to that new home, uh, that's a big opportunity for you to do something great and having something great happen for you means having the right real estate agent on your side to guide you through the entire process. That's what our friends at Berkshire Hathaway Home Service are all about. These are transaction experts. Uh, they have offices all across our area. They're agents that are well-trained and experienced and involved in these kinds of things each and every day. As you know, and you see media reports about this all the time, the real estate market's always changing. And understanding how it's changing, how those changes can be leveraged for your benefit, that's an important thing to understand. So forever moving you, that's what they like to say at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, and that can be true for you today. So check them out online at bhhsgeorgia.com. That is bhhsgeorgia.com. All right, so uh, we have a little bit of an issue, it sounds like, going on right now we're supposed to be talking to Jeff Sintel, but I believe, as my uh, somewhat numb fingers are trying to navigate here, I believe we're still having an issue with that. So, um, all right, so it looks like I don't know if we're going to be able to catch up with Jeff Sintel or not. So we'll see about that. Obviously, when you're out here on the road like this, you never quite know how things are going to go out, and that's another example of that here today. So let me do this. We'll hope to catch up with Jeff Sintel in a moment. Uh, we'll also let you know for those of you who watch us on video, oftentimes we're going to hang around and go late for our RS Andrews cool down into the 11 o'clock hour. We can't do that today. Our purpose for being here today is to do some video stuff, which requires us to be... Um to be off the air here early to be able to do that. We're going to shoot some things. We're going to be showing you as part of our game day tomorrow. So we'll be off prior to 11 a.m. So if you're in the Facebook chat, the YouTube chat, for people that kind of join us a little bit later on at dognation.com as well, we talked about this on our Dog Nation platform a little earlier when we did our first and 15. Let them know we won't be going quite as long today. We'll, we'll be getting off prior to 11 a.m. Just let them be aware of that. So uh, if they come in, they expect to see us, they don't see us, that's why we are there. But we'll be live throughout the day video tomorrow and obviously back next week for kind of a f and live on Sunday too, by the way, for what we hope is a uh, birth for Georgia to the college football playoff. And then, of course, really fun week next week, which we'll tell you more about there at that time. So we got a lot of stuff coming up. Let me instead kind of transition here and get ready to go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And a lot of you do know this. I am excited about next week. Now, we're going to have shows for you. It's going to be a fun week. We're going to do a lot to get you ready for whoever it is that Georgia's playing in the college football playoff, what we believe will be a playoff berth for Georgia. But I'm also very, very lucky next week 
Then I get a chance to be on Wonder of the Seas. Wonder of the Seas is the largest cruise ship in the world right now, and it's repositioning to Port Canaveral. Port Canaveral is the port that's just like right outside of uh, Orlando. I kind of think of that as my home port because I like to drive when I can, and it's a pretty easy drive for me. And so I was invited next week to be a part of a promotional cruise uh, that Royal Caribbean's made available to a special select group of folks. I'm lucky enough to be a part of that. And so we're going to going to have some pre-recorded shows next week which we'll talk to you more about but i'm just excited about getting away and frankly getting to warmer confines than i find myself in right now so it's a great way for me to tell you more about wonder of the seas we'll come back and talk about that but it's also a great chance for me to remind you that if you want to be on a royal caribbean cruise with me and the entire team at dog nation you're coming up very soon uh, you can do that by going to the website royaldogs.com that is royaldogs.com our good friend jessica slater a terrific travel agent has put a website together to give you all the information you need to know about the upcoming dog nation cruise we're going in april from port canaveral on independence of the seas nasa on the bahamas perfect day coco Cay. that great um great experience we're looking forward to being a part of that and so we want you to be a part of it too we continue to hear from folks who've kind of booked up and have chosen to be on this with us so we're really excited about all of that and we can't wait to have you a part of it there too so royaldogs.com to find out more about that if you're also watching on video you see jessica's number you can give her a call right there and ask her questions she's more than happy to tell you everything you want to know about the upcoming Dog Nation cruise, or if you've got your own Royal Caribbean cruise vacation needs that you want to get booked up, Jessica can help you out with all of that too. So make sure you check her out today on that. All right, so let me kind of do this as we kind of build into uh, our cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Obviously, there's only one SEC game to look at here this weekend. That is Georgia and LSU in the SEC championship. Georgia playing here as more than a 17-point favorite. The the conversation we had a little earlier was kind of related to, hey, I don't really know how I feel about Georgia with such a big point spread in a spot like this. I'm not quite so sure about that. I think there might be some value if you look at Georgia on kind of a first-half number. You know, can Georgia build that double-digit halftime lead? There's also, I think, a lot of chatter around the under. We talked about that yesterday with some of the stuff that Chris Felica, and by the way, how about the Bayer Chris Felica, uh, leaving ESPN going to Fox, that announcement coming out yesterday. But Felica gave us some interesting numbers that we shared with you on the show yesterday about just how frequently these Georgia games, when you're facing top five competition, top 15 competition, I should say, you know, he kind of excluded Alabama from that. But top 15 teams, the Georgia defense has shown up in a big way. When you have a defensive performance, the likes of which that Georgia's given you against Oregon this year, against Tennessee this year, uh, some of the stuff going back to last year, certainly the Michigan Bowl game uh, throughout the, uh, Florida last year, when you have the defense showing up to the level that it is, that's going to give the game a chance to go under. I believe the total is, what, 51 right now for Georgia LSU? And obviously, you should do your own research, but these unders have been pretty pretty potent for Georgia in spots like this in the past. We gave you some of those yesterday, Chris Felica, courtesy of him on that. Maybe that is something to consider when it comes to Georgia and LSU in the SEC championship. I'll also remind you that uh, if you're a college football fan, your interest tonight will probably be on the Pac-12 championship game here, too, where USC takes on Utah. You see USC you know, around about field goal favorite or so in this spot after actually having been about a field goal underdog a three and a half point underdog when these teams faced in salt lake city going back to october and look my official pick here is usc here in this spot but i gotta tell you i don't feel great about it and the thing that i don't feel great about is when you look at the spread movement here from kind of how usc is valued now on a neutral to where they were valued when they were at uh Utah early in the season, you see about two and a half points worth of spread value kind of added to USC over the course of the last few weeks. On the one hand, you understand that. USC's been winning games. 
beat UCLA on the road a couple of weeks ago, uh, won against Notre Dame last week. And yet, on the other hand, when you compare this to Utah that has not really been playing badly over that same span, you're sort of left to wonder, or exactly where is all this spread value coming on USC? Obviously, Caleb Williams is kind of emerging as a Heisman candidate and, frankly, likely to win the award right now. Certainly, if the season ended today, it seems like Williams back got this sewn up. But that's also one of those things that kind of leads you almost to be a little bit of a what you call a public favorite where people are kind of lining up behind the name brand, the player they know, Caleb Williams, the team they recognize, USC. And I think if you want USC tonight, minus this number in Las Vegas where the game is being played, I think you're paying a little bit of a surge price to get them. However, even with that said, as I've been telling you now for a couple of weeks, and thus far this trend has proven to be true, there are a lot of issues with Lincoln Riley once he gets to the playoff. And frankly, if he gets there here this year, I think the result will be no different. This is every Lincoln Riley team you've ever seen. They are great offensively. They are terrible defensively. And frankly, I don't think that uh, their defense, not, not only does it not stand up against a team like Georgia, I don't think it stands up against a team like Michigan or against some of the other teams that might play in the college football playoff. This is not a playoff-level defense for USC. It's the worst uh, of any team that can make the playoff, and I think that's true by kind of a wide margin right now. But whatever the case is for what happens to USC when they get to the playoff, obviously Lincoln Riley has shown you in 2017, 2018, 2019, they are quite capable of going on these long winning streaks towards the ends of regular season into conference championship games to make the playoff. And it sort of looks like right now they're kind of on one of those runs here right now too. So I'll actually take USC in this spot to do that, to secure the college football playoff berth. And if I'm right about that, we could have the entire thing locked up before you even get to Saturday because right now both Georgia and Michigan playing as around 17 or so point favorites in their conference title games. Georgia against LSU, Michigan against Purdue. I think that you're looking at playoff spots clearly sewn up for Georgia and Michigan regardless of results on Saturday. Because of that, my, I think my official pick for both sides here is to take the underdog plus the points. I don't think the SEC championship is particularly close, but I think that 17 and a half is what we picked it at for courtesy of our friends at my bookie. That feels like a pretty large spread. For me, the Michigan-Purdue game once again, kind of the same thing. Historically Historically, as you know, Purdue has been great uh, in these not-ranked versus top-five type games. 17 times in program history, uh, they've won when they were unranked and their opponent was in the top five. Uh, you go back and look at uh, Jeff Brom and his time here as Purdue coach. I think he's, what, 3-1 and one in those scenarios. They won twice in this uh, scenario a year ago as an unranked team against a top-five opponent. And I don't think that Purdue wins this game, but I do think they have a chance to keep it close. I think the under has a chance to be a factor here. This is a Michigan team coming off a quite dramatic and quite emotional win for them against the team they hate the most, Ohio State. This is a Purdue team that knows how to keep it close in these spots, so low-scoring game sometimes brings the spread into play. I could see Purdue covering, and for some of the same reasons we talked about before, you know, obviously Georgia's motivated to win, but you don't have to win by 20 points to count it as a win. If Georgia were to bring this home 34-17 or, you know, something along those lines, 31-13, well, that's, that's not, that, would, that would be a cover. Sometimes my math's not great. 31 14, something along those lines. Uh, would anyone feel uh, that they got shortchanged by the performance from UGA? I don't think they would. So I think that you kind of look at both those underdogs there in that spot. Uh, I think that TCU is a very dangerous place against Kansas State. Kansas State's just been good this year. Uh, obviously, you know, not only have they 
I mean, you go back and look at the loss they had to TCU, where you know that's quarterback injury that factors mildly into that. Uh, if you don't have the quarterback injury there that day, and frankly, uh, Kansas State's had a couple of different quarterback injuries they've kind of suffered through here this season. So you know, from that standpoint, they're probably a better team than you realize. I also want to give this, make sure I get this number right here. I'm going to check a note here for a moment. They're actually eight, three, and one against the spread for the year. So not only are they winning games, they're exceeding Vegas expectations, point spread expectations, almost each and every week, and. For TCU, they're also in kind of that sort of tricky motivational spot here, too. If you look at some of the sports books that give you yes, no odds on making the playoff, TCU right now stands at minus 900 to make the playoff. There are a lot of people that believe that TCU is in the playoff even if it loses. Now, what if they lose 56 to nothing? Well, at that point in time, you're probably bringing something else into this into the discussion. But based on kind of where things seem to stand right now, they're number one in strength of record according to the ESPN FBI. Um, I think... I think every game they've played but two this year has come from a team ranked inside the top 50 of the ESPN FPI. They've just played a stronger schedule than other teams have. And if you want to do the comparison between teams like Ohio State, uh, you know, their overall, I think, you know, metrics for their schedule hold up pretty well against the Buckeyes. So if USC loses, that spot probably belongs to Ohio State. But if TCU loses, I don't think that Ohio State gets the same nod, the same benefit there, I don't believe. Uh Maybe it does, but the team that's certainly on the outside looking in on this is Alabama. I know that there's a lot of Crimson Tide fans, a lot of SEC fans kind of wondering if one of those two-loss SEC teams could still be a part of this conversation. And I don't quite see the pathway there for that, but obviously we'll all be tuning in on Sunday to kind of see how that plays out for ourselves. And so for now, we'll make that cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. I'll also tell you, I'm kind of taking a little bit of a stand right now against Clemson. I don't, I don't, think, I don't, I don't think you're going to see much from Clemson in this year's ACC title game. I've really kind of wanted to talk about Dabo Swinney a couple of times here this week. We just haven't had time to do that. I do not think this Clemson team's in a good spot right now. I really don't. And obviously UNC's had its own issues, but I sort of think this could be a big day, maybe surprisingly so from some perspectives, but I sort of think this could be a big day for USC in this spot coming up on Saturday. So that is Cruiser on the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean, and that is a look at some of the conference championship stuff here for the weekend. Now, my assumption is that we were going to try to talk Jeff Sintel. It sounds like that's still not working, so I'm going to assume that's just not going to happen, and we'll try to take a few of your comments here uh, obviously for our podcast i know this is way different than what you're used to we always uh, apologize for that obviously i can't stand it when we have any kind of technical issue especially on, on a weekend like this but nonetheless that is the way that it is so here's what we'll do we will take some comments facebook and youtube and dognation.com we'll kind of stand this up as our typical rs andrews cool down we'll hop off the air after that and uh, we'll get ready to have a really fun weekend's worth of coverage here at dognation.com. So we are looking forward to that. So let me go back over to dognation.com where I was um, at a little earlier. Uh, Randy Hall wondering if uh, Brian Kelly's going to be doing the uh, <laughs> doing a little dancing here this weekend. No, I don't know that he's going to be doing that. Nor do I know if we'll be getting any more fake accents uh, from. Uh, from Brian Kelly. There was actually a tweet that the LSU uh, official account put out this weekend where they were kind of uh, like talking about, you know, how teams are always doing. They're like, it's no accident that we're here. But when I kind of scroll by it quick on my phone, what I, what I saw, no accident, I thought it said no accent. I was like, wow, they're really going there before this game. So, uh, yeah, there's kind of <laughs> – that's one of those things that – like the dancing part I don't mind as much because there's a lot of really bad dancing from coaches in college football. That's kind of become a little bit of a thing. Even Kirby's done some of that, the kind of corny coach dancing after a big win. That's become a little bit of a recruiting imperative. So I don't care that much about the bad dancing. But the fake accent is an embarrassment. 
uh, the fake accent is the worst. So from that standpoint, I cannot have that. All right, let's get some um, YouTube comments here for a moment there as well. Zebulon Owen wants me to hit him with the family. And look, here's the issue with Brian Kelly on this. It's one thing to, to say it and to try it. But the other thing is, is that when Kelly was asked about it, it's almost like he, like if I had done that and you'd asked me about it, I just would have sort of played it off like, I don't know what to talk about. You know, I guess I must have I made mean, it's in a basketball game. It's a weird thing with a microphone. If you've ever spoken in a public place like that, very, very strange. Try to, you know, do something along those lines. Uh, I just would have kind of played the whole thing off. Kelly sort of didn't. He sort of acted like he'd gotten caught. I, we said this on the show at the time. I almost sort of felt like Kelly's reaction to this was just as bad as the actual um, the actual attempt at a fake accent. So I don't think Kelly handled himself very well on that at all. But since then, he's obviously bounced back and had a very good first year uh, at Georgia. Florida Dog on the subject of Samuel and Pemba. Yeah, our hope was we would have talked to Jeff Sintel about that today. That's obviously a very important part of this weekend for Georgia on the heels what it hopes is an SEC championship to get a chance to uh, get a five-star edge rusher. Georgia needs the edge rusher position. That's one of those things you're going to have in the spotlight here this weekend. LSU is very good at that spot uh, with obviously what Harold Perkins is capable of doing. I think you can make a case that Georgia uh, you know, certainly could upgrade its, its outside rusher, outside linebacker, edge rusher, outside linebacker position. And guys like Damon Wilson, if Georgia's lucky enough to get him, and then Pemba, if Georgia's lucky enough to get him on Sunday, that would be an example of that. But when you see what kind of gives LSU a chance to say in this football game on Saturday, uh, when you start thinking about guys like Harold Perkins, it's a reminder of just how much those dynamic edge players you know, have that value. Uh, no question about that. All right. Um, K-Dog, KC, says that Kirby Smart's about to go 3-0 against Brian Kelly, and that's also an important number for this game. For everything you want to say about the recent history for Georgia in the SEC Championship, uh, obviously the history against Brian Kelly is uh, much stronger, and that's certainly something that, that Kirby himself and the entire Georgia program looks to add to. I think you're right about that. Uh, Jonathan Ayer on the subject of the keyboard sometimes when Kirby's talking. Yeah, sometimes the, the press conference stuff can be a little bit tricky and that's kind of true across the board. There's some technical reasons for that. So, you know, I speak in kind of a microphone cord right here. And sometimes with the Kirby Smart Press Conference, you're able to kind of plug a microphone into the kind of the sound apparatus and you kind of get the direct sound that comes from Kirby's microphone. In some cases, you don't. In some cases, you have more of kind of the microphone kind of pointed at Kirby like that. And this is true across the board. This is not just true for Dog Nation. When you have that kind of microphone there, that's going to pick up a little bit of the, no the, 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 the noise in the room. And it's frustrating for me too because a lot of times what we do is we like to take some of the stuff and we just kind of use audio clips. For, for our show, sometimes it's just easier to use audio clips and video clips because all you really care is what Kirby's saying. You don't really care um, what he looks like while he's saying it. So we just sort of play the audio clip for you. Same way with players too. Oftentimes there's not a lot of interest in seeing the face while they say it. You just want to hear the words themselves. And I get frustrated too when you have a lot of room noise. And like a lot of times for a post-game press conference, you have the players speaking at the same time. So I'm doing this here. I got my microphone like that. And you know, across the way, you've got, you know, uh, just a few feet down the road or down the down you know, a couple of steps over, 
you got another Georgia player speaking at the same time, and that creates its own level of noise. So that's always the challenge for this, as they, I guess we call it sort of field reporting type stuff, where you've got a lot of noise going on at one time, and it seems like somebody's forever always dropping something or something like that. So, yeah, that is definitely something I have noticed as well, to be completely honest with you. Wally Smith also wanting Damon Wilson. I'm right there with you. You know, it seems like this Georgia-Ohio State battle for Wilson has been a pretty intense one. And I will tell you that I think for Georgia, this is not just important for the player. I think Wilson's hugely important, but this is not just important for the player. I think it's also important symbolically for Georgia to go ahead to have a program like Ohio State, uh, especially when you hear you know all the rumors that have been kind of associated with this recruitment about, you know, is NIL a factor here, for instance? We don't really know. Obviously, you know, legally there's certain things you can't do, and there's a certain kind of position that Georgia has kind of taken on some of this kind of stuff. But, you know, in a recruitment like this against a big behemoth program like Ohio State, there is not just the value of getting the player, but I think there's a little bit of a symbolic win here for Georgia to show, yeah, we can go up against the, the big dogs of them all and uh, win a recruiting battle like this. I think that's uh, really important there, too. Let's see what else. Uh, Kirby's belt on the subject of tickets. Yeah, the LSU folks are obviously not as excited about this game. It's a long trip for them. Uh, while they're happy to be here, um, they're certainly happy to be here, but uh, but they don't really give themselves much of a chance to win. So from that standpoint, that's going to keep a lot of their fans away, and that becomes the benefit for Georgia of – you, know, you get a chance to scarf up tickets at a much more affordable price. I was also thinking about that for the Peach Bowl. Now, listen, the Georgia coaches and players can't look ahead on all this, but obviously those of us around here, we kind of can. If you start thinking about, well, what if it's Georgia against TCU in the Peach Bowl? You'd have to have a couple of things that would happen for that to take place. But what if it's Georgia TCU in the Peach Bowl? That's just not a very large fan base at all. So I've been kind of on guard. And I'm not, that's not me taking a shot. I mean, TCU is a very good team right now. They just don't have nearly as big a following as Georgia does. Even if every TCU fan in the world comes to the game, that's just not, you know, a million fans necessarily. So I was kind of thinking that I was on guard for this Peach Bowl ticket, if Georgia plays in the semifinal here, to be like one of the most expensive things of all time. But the honest truth is, um, uh, if it's a team like TCU, if that's who Georgia plays, it might not be that expensive. And even if it's USC, I mean, you know, the USC following is obviously, you know, very, very wide, but it's also been an inch deep. Like, you know, how many of their folks would be traveling over to Atlanta or USC folks kind of live in the Atlanta area? You know, there's a chance that depending on who Georgia plays, the Peach Bowl ticket might also not be as expensive, although the face value on these things now is incredibly expensive, crazy expensive. So you got some of that there as well. If you're just joining us, I'll remind you of something that I've said a couple of times here today. We've had some technical stuff going on. We're supposed to talk to Jeff Sintel. We're not able to do that. We also are on assignment here in downtown Atlanta here today, which means I'm going to have to hop off here in a second. Uh, so this is kind of our RS Andrews cool down that we're doing right now. I gave you a couple of comments on YouTube there. I'll kind of pop over and give you a couple of comments here on, uh, on, on, on Facebook too. And then I want to get ready to go do some video stuff that we'll be showing you throughout the day tomorrow there uh, throughout the Dog Nation video channel. So I want to make sure I say hello to our Facebook folks before we get ready to do that. Uh, Alan Verbachik says, no LSU trolls in the comment section. Yeah, we haven't heard from a ton of LSU people this week, have we, Allie? Alan, I don't, I don't think we have. Matt Rucavino wants to see Georgia versus USC for all the marbles. I believe he means NLA for the national championship. That would certainly be quite a, a thing to play USC in its own town there. You'd obviously have a huge collection of Georgia fans showing up for that game, and you'd have a lot of USC fans there too. Sometimes 
you know, you don't have the big environment for the national championship. It's a little bit like the Super Bowl because so many of those seats are corporate and so many of those are kind of like big wigs, sort of like Rob Lowe wearing the NFL hat. That's a lot of what you get in some of those big game environments. You didn't really get that in Indianapolis last year. You had fans. You had Georgia fans, Alabama fans, that when it's two SEC teams playing, it's going to feel a little bit more like an SEC-style game. But a lot of times the national championship game feels a little bit more like the corporate antiseptic environment of a Super Bowl. But if it's Georgia against USC in its own town, that probably has a little bit more of a regular college football feel to it. Uh, Raymond Brandon asks us where we're going to be set up tomorrow. We're going to have a great tailgate here for our go for two and 22 uh, we got a really fun setup uh, over there at the Home Depot backyard area. Uh, obviously, we had some tickets for that earlier, and so many folks kind of jumped in, scarfed those up so quickly. So I'm so excited about that for those who were able to secure their tickets to be a part of that. And then throughout the day, I hope to be moving around and trying to get um, as much as I can uh, going on, seeing as many Georgia fans as I can with uh, all of that. So we'll take a couple more comments, and then we'll get ready to wrap things up uh, today. Barry Watkins says, thanks for doing the show. Barry, I appreciate that. Thank you for being here. Sorry it's not exactly the way we've come to uh, deliver it, but I um, but I appreciate that. Thank you for being here there as well. So we're going to have a lot of video throughout the week here too. Tomorrow, before the game, post-game show after the game. Sunday being live for the playoff selection announcement. Hope to provide some coverage for you when Samuel Mpemba makes this decision too. Get some shows ready for next week. So it's going to be a busy weekend for us, and we're certainly excited about all of that. Also, a couple of fun things to say goodbye to you with here today. Uh, of course, as we get ready to go into the weekend, and this weekend's a little bit more exciting than some, but as we get ready to go into the weekend, uh, we'd love to do our big finish courtesy of the Finish Long Drink. And I want to shout out our good friend Dina Pruitt here. Dina's a great commenter. It's part of what we do around here, and Dina's going to show you right now that she's getting ready to do some celebrating. She thinks Georgia's going to bring home a national championship, or I should say an SEC championship on Saturday, and then the go for two and 22 mission is on after that. So Dina's getting stocked up on the finished long drink to be able to celebrate with all of that going on. So Dina, we appreciate you sharing that, and we appreciate all of you who are trying the finished long drink here right now as you get ready for fun football weekends. And if you haven't tried it before, this is a good time to do that. You can go to thelongdrink.com, and you can put in your zip code, and you can find out where you can pick up some today, whether it be at a restaurant or a bar or a beverage store, something near you and you can get uh, stocked up and enjoy that whether it be the cranberry the long drink uh traditional which comes in a blue can it's got the the gin kick and the grapefruit flavor the long drink strong eight and a half percent alcohol by volume Long drink zero, no carbs, no sugar. You can enjoy all of that. Our friends at the Finish Long Drink make all of that possible for you. So we certainly appreciate them doing that. And hope all of you enjoy a little bit of Finish Long Drink for your SEC Championship celebration, which we do believe is going to be taking place uh, later on this weekend. A lot of dog fans looking forward to seeing this team bring home that SEC Championship opportunity. Also, I want to give a shout out to my friends at Discover Dunwoody. Now, here's one of the things you've heard us talk about before, that we're in downtown Atlanta right now, where obviously a lot of folks come in for the SEC championship but you also know that if you're trying to come in for a weekend like this get that hotel sometimes it's kind of hard to find sometimes maybe those hotels don't quite fit your needs whatever they might be well that's where our friends at Discover Dunwoody come in here now normally I'm in, actually in Dunwoody we kind of do our show kind of right there in between Dunwoody and Sandy Springs and so I can tell you I go to the restaurants there whether it be the high-end stuff there's a lot of really great steakhouses around there uh you also got the kind of the sort of uh, quick service type restaurants if you want that there too hundreds of restaurants in total and many many hundreds of hotel rooms and if you are thinking about how you get to the game if you stay in Dunwoody. Uh, don't forget, you've got the Dunwoody Marta Station, the Sandy Springs Marta Station. They're very, very convenient to a lot of the hotels that are around there and a lot of those restaurant options. You've also got the mall right there, too. So it can really be a great shopping, dining, 
uh, entertainment type weekend, easy access to Mercedes-Benz Stadium with either the Dunwoody or the Sandy Springs Marta Station right there. So if you go to Dunwoody, I should say discoverdunwoody.com, discoverdunwoody.com, you can see uh, more about this and kind of find out how you can make it a great weekend. And by the way, that's not just true for the SEC Championship this weekend, uh, if you're making some last-minute travel uh, plans, but also if you're thinking about the upcoming uh, Peach Bowl, there's a very good chance that Georgia plays in the college football playoff uh, right here in Atlanta. And Discover Dunwoody, the Dunwoody area around there, a great option for that there, too. So check out discoverdunwoody.com for a lot more on that. Also, as we get ready to wrap up here today, we love to kind of say goodbye to you with a golden shoe. Our buddy George on tap shared this with us. Very funny video. And this is the meme you've seen before of the two kids that are running to give each other the hug. It's been used a thousand times. It's a very cute video, of course. But in this particular case, it's the Georgia Bulldogs hugging that national championship trophy uh, one more time. And that's what this time of year is all about. It's go for two and 22. In fact, our buddy George on tap put that right there in his caption for that tweet uh, as a part of that uh, video. Very funny for the person who made it, by the way, too. Uh, I appreciate George on tap sharing of the me so we'll make sure we give full credit to all of that and uh let that be our golden shoe for today as george looks to go for two in 22 uh once again also gatorator countdown while george is thinking about the sec championship once again florida's watching this thing on television they've been doing a lot of that lately here over the years and so we'll remind them dogs back in jacks we're coming up with 331 days from right now georgia back in jacksonville for our gator hater countdown uh, that is fun to give you it's dog nation daily presented by kroger we will look forward to seeing you all throughout the day tomorrow then back here on monday enjoy the weekend everybody